0: I am excited as usual. I'm always excited about the show because I'm so hungry to grow. I I want language that helps me to see God in new ways so I can have new access points to the glorious God who's so big and does so many different types of things. I love how in the Bible, he rarely did the same miracle twice the same way just because he's that creative. I mean, our God is a creator. And my guest today is a very creative prophetic man named Ryan Lestrange. And he's uh, he has a ministry called Ryan Lestrange, but also the Groan, which is a media revival that's viewed around the world. And uh, it's just he he releases words of God in a major way. He has a tribe network, so he does apostolic stuff, which means he builds ministries and leaders and disciples and mentors. But he also, of course, uh, is a prophetic minister and really gives fresh perspective that I haven't seen in all the different movements that he's in. He's in a lot of movements that I've never been around or never spoken into. And he's one of the only prophets or one of the main key voice prophets in those places. And uh, it's just so exciting. He's also senior leader of the iHub movement, as well as plants and oversees a network of governing churches, Apostolic Revival Hubs. Ryan's also active in the business arena with Lestrange Global LLC, a digital media company producing a variety of Christian media products featuring eBooks, e-learning events and e-courses. And he has authored numerous books, including The joke Bed, Anointing, Supernatural Access, and Overcoming Spiritual Tax, Hell's Toxic Trio, Revival, Hubs Rising, and many others, him and his wife, Joy, living in Georgia. And they're just, they are so delightful as people. And I can't wait for you to hear from Ryan because he's going to break it down for us today as far as just how he hears from God and just some of the process he's been in. And it's so good to hear other people's processes because it just, faith comes by hearing. And I believe we're going to hear some things today that are important. So with no further ado, let's get right into it. Hey, Exploring the Prophetic Family. I'm so excited because one of my lifelong dreams is happening right now as you're listening and you could join. We have an online mentoring platform where we release video content and audio content to you. Every week, there's five videos. You can listen or watch whatever you want to do, but they're teaching. I'm actually mentoring people who are part of the platform. They call in on video and we do a mentoring session and we release it to all of you because a lot of them will be relatable to everyone. We also do questions and answers. So when you're asking your questions online, we're answering every question. And about five to seven of those, we answer every week on video as well. And then we have some of your favorite prophets and prophetic voices and ministry voices from around the world, sharing their prophetic perspective, how they hear from God and a three to seven minute video every week. So some of your favorite guests who you've ever heard on this show are also going to be there on the platform defining their prophetic process and then we have supplemental videos. Now here's the deal. We also have added all of our e-courses. So we have an e-course on words of knowledge, an e-course on growing as a prophet called Modern Prophets. We have prophetic 101. We have a marriage e-course, a financial e-course, and all of them are included for one monthly price. So come join us. You go to courses.bowlsministries.com and sign up today. Welcome to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Bowles, and I have with me Ryan Lestrange, who is no stranger to me. We've actually been becoming friends over the last year or so. Yeah, and uh, Ryan, I'm so appreciative of you. Thank you for being on today.
1: Thank you. I've been following this podcast for a while, and I'm just honored to be here and talk to your listeners.
0: Well, you, <laughs> thank you. You have such a unique expression of who you are and how you speak and everything from share squares you released on Instagram that I think have like... Been so needed in my life. <laughs> you yeah. know, some people are like, they'll read one of those little messages, and they're like, that's tacky. And I'm that person sometimes. But when I read like the prophetic messages, even the little things, let alone the bigger perspective you impart through your, you know, your media, through your meetings, it's just amazing. So I so appreciate you. And I follow you and I just, I uh, care about your perspective. So this is going to be a fun interview today.
1: I am excited. Thank you for that. I love using media. It's so amazing. And we talked about this before, how we can reach people uh, with our life story and with what God is doing through even those little share squares.
0: Totally. I mean, just the littlest thing, which, you know, people open fortune cookies and hope that they'll hear something destiny wise. They need to go to your uh, Instagram. <laughs> yes. You a know, real work from God.
1: Yes, it's better than the fortune cookie.
0: <laughs> exactly, and it's you go way deeper than that. I'm just you know <laughs> just calling attention to that one because it's it's hit my wife and I a couple times over the last few months We're like oh my gosh read this one, mm-hmm. well um, let's let's talk let's go into your story because you've had some uh, a lot of dramatic encounters with God and with people and sharing prophecy, and I want to just talk about like when was the first or the favorite story you have when God really called you to this or spoke to you.
1: Yeah, um, I was newly saved. I grew up just to give the listeners an idea. I did not grow up going to church, you know, being in ministry now for a number of years. I deal with a lot of people who they're in church. They come from church. You know, they have they say things like I was backslidden or I knew better. That wasn't my story. My story was I was very unchurched. And so I had a dramatic encounter with the Lord. Uh, I had an uncle who got born again radically, was a drug addict, uh, turned his whole life around, and my family was Catholic. So there was strong faith in that on my grandmother's side. But for me and my immediate family, we were just totally unchurched. And so when my uncle had this experience, we all knew something happened because he came off the drugs, he was talking different, he was acting different. And so I started to go to church with him long story short, responded to an altar call, had a tremendous encounter with God. It was a process of a couple of years of me messing up, coming back, messing up. And then uh, I was on track with God and I was sitting in a service actually in Sacramento, California. And I heard a voice. I've never figured out if it was audible, if it was just so tangible. It felt that way. I really don't know. But I heard this voice simply say, I've called you. And I started Mm -hmm. to literally look around like, okay, I think this is God, but I know he's got to be talking to the person like behind me, next <laughs> to me, because that's like, a
0: everyone's response, right?
1: Yeah. Like, I was like, who's he talking to? I'm a mess. You know, I can't, I can't do this. And so what happened for me was that sent me on a journey of really seeking God. And I somehow had this thought and now I know it was God. I've got to get training. If God's going to use me, I've got to get training. And that led me to Bible college and And really changed my whole life. But that simple, I've called you, it was the turning point of my entire life.
0: Wow. Isn't that beautiful how it's just like the simplicity of who Mm -hmm. God is and his nature to say, I've called you. And that didn't just mean like, come do something for me. It's like the disciples. I want to make you fishers. And men wasn't just about them becoming evangelists. It was, I'm putting identity and significance in you through my relationship with you.
1: And I love how that came to you. I think I've had in, you know, you can relate so many more, quote unquote, more profound prophetic experiences like seeing things, hearing things. That was so simple, yet it literally was the most life changing word I've ever received because nothing else would have happened if it wasn't for that simple word. So it did totally uh, bring my identity into perspective.
0: Totally. And and I want to kind of uh, shift gears and fast forward because one of the things that I think happens because you are a prophet and a prophetic man. So a lot of times people think um, prophetic people never get prophetic words or that um, we don't, you know, a lot of prophets have said, I don't hear God for myself or anyone ever gives me words. But you actually do get words from other people. One of them was from John Kilpatrick. And it really moved a lot forward. Tell us about that. And for those of you who don't know John Kilpatrick, he was like one of the founders of the Pensacola uh, movement revival that happened. And so that's an interesting story. I thought it'd be a fun one to pick up.
1: Yes. I appreciate you asking the question because that again was like one of the most pivotal words. So I was in ministry since uh really uh, about early, early twenties, because I went off to Bible college at 17 and graduated wow. and immediately started working in the Bible college. So at this time, I'm in my late thirties when The John Kilpatrick story happens, and I'm pastoring a small church in Virginia, and I just loved revival. I never was um, a huge follower of Brownsville when it was happening. It wasn't that I wasn't interested, I was actually working in the ministry and just kind of busy. And so I never went to it. I saw some videos, things like that, but it, it was something I was aware of, but not necessarily a part of. And so Uh, I began to watch those videos. I began to study and I began to read about different revivals. And I invited Pastor Kilpatrick to this small church I was pastoring in a remote area of Virginia. And what he did not know was God was encountering me with a lot of dreams and visions of upping my global reach and all that kind of stuff. And it was happening like in little bite-sized pieces, but there seemed to be a lid on it. So um, Pastor Kirkpatrick comes to preach, you know, I'm expecting, if I'm being honest, like, okay, another wave of revival hit our church, you know, shake our community, something just breathtaking happened. And it was powerful. But the most powerful part of it was him and I are talking in the back room and he begins to talk to me and he's prophesying while he's talking. And he says, look, Ryan, you're like a, an eagle in a sparrow's nest. The thing that you're in ministerially right now isn't your long term destiny. There's something bigger. And he says, The year you turn 40, now we didn't, he didn't know my age. He asked it after he said this, but he said, The year you turn 40, everything is going to shift in your life. Uh, new doors are going to open. God's going to begin to send you forth. There's going to be major transition. And I don't know how to explain it because a lot of people have given me prophetic words, but this one like hit me to the core. And I knew there was something significant. And I was, to be honest, a bit frustrated about where I was. So it was like this was hope, this was purpose and I kind of this was not one I put on the shelf. I held on to it. But you know Sean, I thought like, well what can I do? I can't like make it come to pass. I don't yeah. want to get worked yeah. up and I'm 39 and a half and now I'm upset because nothing's happening. But honestly, literally as he said, the year I turned 40, everything shifted in a major way good. And there was some bad, there was like some shaking and relational shifts and assignment shifts that were uncomfortable, but everything went to the next level. And that word was like a marker. I don't think my life's ever been the same. And and oddly enough, I was in a green room with James Gall a couple of years after that, after I turned 40 and he turns to me and goes, you know what? The year you turned 40 was a significant shift. Everything shifted in your life. And the Lord was showing me like in the prophetic God will show you forward, but then there's these markers that are real significant, and He'll have prophets point you back to it to remember that was a turning point.
0: That's so good. That is so good. I'm just thinking of those moments in my life. I think, yeah, it's. I think there's a scripture. I can't remember exactly where it's at in the Gospels, but it says, you know, He did these things so that when when they happen, or He said these things so that when they happen, we will fully believe. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like sometimes prophecies to, to set your hope in the future, but sometimes. You're not even reminded of it until you can interpret it. And you go, oh, my gosh, this is that. And you're like, this is, oh, wow. Which I really love that a lot of times we lose that kind of perspective giving prophetic words that happen that change everything, which is so good. Well, you and your wife, Joy, are just, she is a joy. And the the fact that you guys are, you know, doing life together this way. um, Tell me a little bit about how the prophetic operates in your family or how hearing God's voice has affected you guys.
1: It's well, that's a great question. It's a very interesting dynamic. I don't know what it is like in your home life, but being a prophetic person and managing life responsibilities is interesting and odd at times uh, because (laughs) you know, I'll have times that I'll be like caught up. I don't know. My wife is so gracious about this because literally we'll be talking and I'll just drift into some other place. And it's not, that sounds deep, it's not always super deep. Sometimes it's almost (laughs) feels like and imagination, but it's like, literally yeah. the Lord will start speaking to me about something and I'll kind of just, I'm there, but I have this blank stare and my wife knows she'd be like, oh yeah, he's, he's hearing from the Lord, like he'll come back in a minute. <laughs> and she, she's been so generous in that. And I think one of this, and she's very profound, you know, God has used her a lot of times in my life when there was a shift and I wasn't shifting and she would come to me and say, Hey, Ryan, I really feel like the Lord is doing such and such in your life. And, you know, it's funny because the people that are closest to you, sometimes you tend to ignore. She always says, she says, I told you that before anybody else. And I'm like, yeah, but I was in husband mode, not really listening to you in the prophetic sense. Um, and I think one of the things I've had to work on, and one of the challenges in family life and prophetic is learning balance. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I said to you, and we talked on one of my broadcasts, I admire you because you're very good at that. But for me, I think because of the experience I had really early, and then I was thrown into like a super intense ministry background where people were really coming with heavy problems and a lot of deliverance and you know, just intense because of that. I had to really learn when it came to family life, like God is in that stuff of me going out with my wife on a date as much as he's in me taking a prayer time. So yeah. finding that balance, I think has been a real journey for
0: us. Yeah. I think it's a real journey for anybody who does any kind of influence or leadership, whether it's in business or ministry or anywhere else. It's like that we're the generation that's looking for defining that kind of connectivity and, and healthy Relationship, So I love that because part of what um, I, I've seen over you is that you'll give like a total Pentecostal word and then the next minute you're very normal, you demystified the mm-hmm. persona, which I think is really profound because w- there's been so many uh, mistakes made in the prophetic and there's been so much ego and there's been so much uh, there's been so much hardship. And there's been so much beauty, but a lot of times the hardship and beauty go hand in hand with the vessels that have carried it throughout the generations. When I say that, I have full honor for people who pioneered. But I love that one of the things that you've been able to do is really demystify and and make the prophetic accessible to people. And when you share it, it makes people feel included versus you're special and they're not. It's really a special thing on your life. Um, Has that been intentional or is it just part of the character that God's given you?
1: Um, I think it's been a part of the character God's given me for an odd reason. When I first started in ministry, I always, and I was, I should say, I first started by working in a Bible college. So I was in an atmosphere of training, but I just found myself always having a heart. Like if there was somebody that could sing and I could see that gift in them, I would say, Hey, can you sing before I minister? Sing one song. If there was somebody that I would see, like, has a prayer call, I'd want to pull on them. And, you know, to be honest, through the years, I think that's been both my greatest gift and at times one of the greatest battles because I— We'll invest so much in somebody that when it doesn't work out the way I think it should or would have, I have a challenge then that I've got to deal with my own heart or perspective. Um, But I just don't want to leave the earth and not equip other people. When I read Ephesians 4 about the gifts, I don't see the job of a prophet just prophesying. I see the job of a prophet bringing a prophetic impartation to the church, which looks like you know, the soccer mom having a word of the Lord for her children and the entrepreneur having a word of the Lord for their business. So I'm really
0: intentional
1: about trying to bridge that gap.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, that's so good. That's such a great answer. Um, what is kind of one of the most profound prophetic experiences you've had? Because I know, I, I think just in reading notes before the show, um, for those listeners, we, we send out notes and just ask questions and they can answer whatever ones they want. And Ryan answered this one about the Lord showing you about latter days in your life if you want to go there because I think it's, it's really helpful for people especially when there's someone who's prophetic because a lot of times prophetic people are urging people towards just end times and they stop mm-hmm. living for anything on the side of eternity but you actually had a profound encounter about this if you want to share that it'd be amazing
1: I did. And it used to make um a lot of my friends angry, my preacher friends when I was young, because they would be <laughs> preaching about in times when I would say, I don't think that's right now. And they would get very <laughs> angry. And <laughs> totally. they would say, um, how do you know that? And I said, Well, first of all, I don't know that. I don't think anybody that's honest about it has that whole subject figured out. We have very educated and strong opinions and maybe a synergy of some prophetic encounters as well. But um, I was praying and I was just praying about life and I was young and in the ministry and all that stuff. And I was caught into a vision and the vision I was old and I saw this whole campus that I was sort of the leader of and it had multiple sides to it. There was a training center. There was a media center. Wow. Um, probably at that time, had you asked me, I would have thought television, but you know, now with technology being where it's at, it's probably more of a multifaceted media center. But I literally saw all of it. When I say I saw it, it was just as real as wow. you know, the tangible walls in my home. And I could see myself, and clearly I was at the latter stages of my life. I was older, and my whole uh, emphasis was training and development. And I had built this whole thing. And, Um, many times when I would go through crisis, I would be like, okay, I've not yet done that thing that I saw many times when I would feel like, you know, I want to just go on cruise control and not really build anything else. The Lord would remind me of that. And so I would joke with people and say, I know the beginning, I know the end, it's the middle I'm trying to figure out. (laughs) (laughs) That's the challenge. And I think with prophetic people, that sometimes is our challenge. We know a big thing, but we don't know how we're going to get there.
0: Yeah. Well, and our, everyone who's a Christian, your process is different than anyone in the world. So if you compare yourself to somebody else, it's like comparing snowflakes and saying, mine's not like that one. And I know my process over the bigger picture things in my life has not been not only what I would, wouldn't want to choose, but it's something that I've had to sacrifice to say, OK, I'll put my agenda for what you've called me to on the altar over and over. Because this isn't how I would go about it at all. Like this isn't what I would choose at all. Mm-hmm. And that's been a really weird, my, my wife calls me the reluctant, you know, minister, because there's so many things that I'm like, I don't want to have this in my reputation. I don't want this to be part of how I'm known or seen or perceived. Because when you're going after, I'm going to see the world transformed. When you get into your kind of critical church roles, they can actually become a hurdle for people to even see. The message of who Jesus is because the messenger gets in the way, and so I've, I've just so many times been like, how do I get out of the way how do I allow but God does put a process in us that we have to constantly stay fine tuned in him and in his presence and let him lead us and I know I would have never gotten to where I am today if I hadn't listened and surrendered and especially a lot of the the ego stuff like people think there's ego when you get ministry it's like there was more ego and not getting ministry when you're called to it <laughs> when you yeah. say no i'm not going to do that because of this or whatever it is you're called to it's like it's easy to say no because you don't like something and i know that that's part of peter looking at john and saying sorry to jesus and he goes what about john and jesus says doesn't matter about john you're going to be blindfolded and led into areas you wouldn't go into and that you wouldn't have chosen for yourself and i'm like i think even though i've always related to john I'm like Peter. <laughs> so I, I just say that for those of you who are listening here, like my process to get to my big picture is really confusing. I think you shouldn't look at it as confusing. You should look at it as like, it's a it's the treasure of God to, you know, hide something and conceal something. And it's the glory of Kings to search it out. It's like sometimes our prophetic or our life journey is a prophetic journey. Well, let's let's keep, I just wanted to comment on that. Um, let's keep talking about like, tell me about your prophetic assignment and ministry right now. Just so our listeners can hear like, what are you really doing? What are you working on? What do you feel like God's saying right now? Um,
1: well, I think right now I'm really working on a couple of things. I'm working on creating a ton of opportunities for people to be further trained and equipped. I really feel uh, the the whole concept of the Samuel company of prophetic yeah. people that, yeah. you know, we're not going to just value what we see, what we hear. That's important. The revelation is important. The insight, you know, right now people getting words about certain things going on in the world. That's all very important, and we don't want to devalue that. But at the same time, there's a lot of prophetic people who essentially they just live in that realm of hearing, seeing, and knowing, but there's no results based on what they've heard, seen and known. So I'm really trying to be super intentional about just creating opportunities to train and equip people. Um I've also really been hearing from the Lord what I call uh the need to accelerate building words. I mean by that words that you can Build off of words for regions, for territories, for uh, people groups. And I'm going to be launching some initiatives to sort of help steward that to the best of my ability. Because I have a sense that, especially in America, and I know your listeners are global and maybe this applies to their nation, there's a lot of people who know, okay, we have a sense God wants to do this in our state or in our region. But we, we're we sort of ambiguous about what it looks like or how it's going to happen. And I feel there's a real need for us as prophetic people to begin to press in from state and city to super uh, local, just our church. What mm. is God saying to our church? What is God saying to our prayer group? So I'm going to be doing some things to kind of help people press into that because I think we're in a season where – to build to the next level, we need that. The Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. You know, I love in James when it talks about the tongue being a small member, but it boasts great things. I really believe that whole set of teaching there is dealing with the office of the teacher and how the teacher builds revelation and that reforms the way the church moves and functions. And so we need like building words. And that's a big part of what I'm really focusing on right now. And then mentoring people too um economically i want to see the church world like the believers break out of confinement economically so we're doing some coaching in that area as That's well so good
0: can you give an example as far as building words and how it's affected like a local group or a region sure. is there anything um, you can think of
1: yeah well one one thing that um i wrote a book with jennifer Leclaire several years ago called revival hubs rising and this was at the time, I was doing a lot with God TV, and they were attempting to build a global revival center. And I was in prayer one day for them, and I went into this vision, and I saw these revival hotspots all over. So my before this happened to me, my normal thought would be like, oh, it's going to be spontaneous revivals break out. But as I prayed about it, the Lord said, no, they're actually ministries that really host the presence of the Lord that are really focused on that intentional. So I called Jennifer, and I said, Jennifer, I had this prophetic word. But I feel like we need to write it into a book. It's probably not a best selling book because it's kind of a niche topic, but I feel yeah. that for ministry leaders that are trying to do this, we need to give them some tools. So we kind of went from a prophecy I had, she had had some things privately as well, and we partnered to create sort of this roadmap with the knowledge we had wow. at the time. And honestly, I've literally seen people all over take that and make it the blueprint for their ministry center. So that to me, would have been one of the most dramatic sort of building words I've been involved with.
0: Wow. That's that's really awesome. Well, um, one of the things I I think that I've heard you say before, and I know you said it in our notes, was you don't really um make moves without hearing God in a real way. And I think I've I've been meeting more and more people. I'm I'm that way too. It's like if God doesn't speak to me, I'll really choose. I know sometimes he's a father and he's saying, Hey, what do you want to choose? And he just put something inside of me. But for the most part, I'm looking for God to speak before I make a major transition or move forward in something. But um, what are some of the areas that God really has spoken to you about, where it He spoke and it caused you to change, maybe the kind of people you go after, or as part target in the ministry, or whether it's you know an actual assignment or mission that you're on. What are some of the ways that God's spoken to you?
1: Mm, that's such a good subject. You know, there was a I was at a decision point a few years ago, like I had come to the end of my time uh, in the region I was in. We were trying to figure out how to transition out because we had established churches, we had responsibilities, and um, I had this crazy prophetic dream. I had kind of uh, transitioned to traveling, writing, and to be honest, I was really enjoying it because after years of Pioneering churches and working in tough areas. It's like, okay, I'm on vacation. I'm just going in and speaking (laughs) and prophesying, and I don't have to worry about anyone getting mad about anything. You don't have 30
0: staff meetings a week. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah. So I was like super happy, super enjoying it. And I go to preach somewhere and I have this crazy dream that I'm building another center. Now, mind you, I had had that experience I told you about earlier about seeing the latter days of my life. So it wasn't like it caught me off guard, but I think the season had happened. I was just like, oh, no. And so I didn't. I told my wife about it, and I just committed to really pray. I mean, it was one of those things that was like, in me, Lord, it's a no, but I know what you're saying, and so it's going to be a yes, ultimately, just help my heart kind of get there. And um, I was hosting a conference right after that, a few weeks after that, and this is actually another, I think it may have been the same conference where James called, prophesied to me in the back room. So James was a speaker at the conference. This was my first time ever being uh, anywhere with James in ministry, and one night during worship, there's like a prophetic flow, and some of the other speakers are prophesying, and it's very free-flowing, and James runs up and starts prophesying to me like, God told you you're going to build this apostolic hub, and blah, 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 and he basically sort of retraces the dream that I had, and so yeah. – here's what I did. And this is something that if you have the opportunity, those listening to do this, most people don't, but if you ever do, I advise it. So the word James gave again was going against my own sort of what I want to do. And it's obviously the Lord, because now it's coming up again. So I asked James, before you fly out, can I take you to lunch? I want to have a very specific conversation. And he said, yeah. So I simply asked him, like, what particularly did you see when you gave the word? Because it was a very spontaneous word. And then I said, when you're using the language you're using, you know, tell me what that means to you. Because I was still trying to figure out what is this going to look like and when is the time. And I've actually not done it yet. Um, I've been just in prep mode. But. That was a big, big uh, encounter for me that led me in a different direction. And, you know, for me, like you said earlier, a lot of times I'm reluctant. It's like a lot of the things God has asked me to do have not been things that I really wanted to do in myself, (laughs) even preaching. Like, I love God. I love the church. I love giving. I would have much rather just been like in business or broadcasting or some other lane and just been a great tither and giver. But God said, that's not what I've called you to do. Wow.
0: No, that's so good. I, I can I can relate to all of that. <laughs> Many of our <laughs> listeners can as well. Well, um, my, my last and final question that I love to ask every time on this podcast when I get a chance is, what is the riskiest thing that God's asked you to do or that he's told you to say to someone in this last season? And how did it turn out?
1: I think the riskiest thing ever is that I was preaching in Belize, Central America. So the first big miracle I ever saw in my life, ministry-wise, like praying for someone, was a blind lady that was healed instantly. And it was a long story. Wow. It, just, it shook me to my core, changed me forever. Um, so I'm preaching in Belize, and I'm getting ready to preach this particular night. And the the theme is, it's like a a healing evangelistic campaign. So I know we're going to pray for sick people, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm getting ready to preach. I've got, you know, a simple message lined out and the Holy Spirit says to me, don't preach your message. And I'm like, okay, which this is my normal life. So for me, it didn't freak me out. Like maybe it would some preachers, but I'm like, okay, what, what are we doing? And he says, just tell the story of that blind lady, the first great miracle you ever saw. So I said, okay, I got it. I can do it. So I start telling this story. I'm midway through, and these words come out of me that I'm not even thinking of. Is that He says, and tonight I'm going to heal the blind. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, that's good. It's about 500 people in this little gathering. And um, so I call for anyone who's blind, come forth. There's a young lady that has a white eyeball. In other words, no pupil. She has got an empty eye socket, nothing in there. And the Lord has me tell her directly on the microphone, you're going to see tonight. So I'm thinking, oh man, I can't believe I just said that. (laughs) Like, okay,
0: God. (laughs) Can I take it back? (laughs) Yeah,
1: like you're doing this because I know I can't do it. So I start to pray for her. And I'm like, I'm watching her eyes because I'm thinking there's a new eyeball that's going to come. There's a pupil. And none of that happens. So honestly, as I'm praying and I'm processing my spirit brain, my brain is processing. My brain is saying to me like, hey, you missed this one. Nothing's going to happen. To my amazement, after the prayer, she begins to say, I can see. Um, So we test her. Like I hold up fingers. How many do I have? Follow me around. We interview her and we actually find that this lady is seeing out of the white eyeball and – She covers the white eyeball and opens up her empty socket, and she is seen out of that socket. Um, I have no language for this. I don't understand it. Uh, If I was God, I would think it'd make more sense to put new eyeballs, but it was the most mind-blowing miracle I've ever seen in my
0: life. Wow. (laughs) That is so wild. I I love that God does, you know, signs that make people wonder about his nature and who he is. I just love it. Whoever coined that term, I just love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I know that everyone who's listening to this is just curious and hungry and you've just given us language. So thank you so much. How do people get a hold of you and what's a new materials or something you're working on that they can get right now?
1: Yes. Well, thank you for letting me be here. You guys can find me on social media, Ryan Lestrange. I have a Facebook page, Ryan Lestrange page. For materials, go to LestrangeGlobal.com. I have a new uh 21 day uh, ebook that is uh, devotional for your prophetic dreams, 21 days of okay. prophetic dreams. So go find that at lestrangeglobal.com. It will really help accelerate you in
0: that area. That's so good. I'm going to get it for me and my wife. We've been going after dreams and uh, my, even my daughters are getting dreams. We've been praying every night. They're five and seven praying for dreams. It's been fun because we've been the nights, maybe once a week or twice a week, we've been um, talking through all of them together. Even with them, they're like, what does this dream mean? And sometimes it's just nothing. And sometimes it's really profound. So I love that. We need to go after dreams. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for your story and your life. Thank
1: you so much. I appreciate you.
0: Appreciate you too. One of my favorite questions I get as someone who people tend to see as a prophetic person or a ministry leader is, will you mentor me? And I love this question, and I haven't been able to do much with it for all these years because I've been teaching, writing books, these kinds of things, but the one-on-one is the hardest part. There's just not enough time, especially for the thousands of requests we've gotten. Well, we came up with a solution called the Translating God Mentoring Platform, and this is a platform where there's five videos a week along with an online coach who's going to answer your questions, and you will have question-to-answer videos, teaching videos, mentoring other people videos where we're doing mentoring conversations, there's videos from other prophetic ministers and some you'll know really, really well who are sharing prophetic testimonies and stories of what works for them. You don't want to miss being a part of this community that's growing online because just subscribing monthly, you're going to get all these videos every week into your mailbox. And I know it's going to change your life as you have someone to process your prophetic journey with you and have these mentoring conversations with. Come join us at BowlsMinistries.com and click on mentoring. You're going to love it. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Bowles. I want to encourage you to stay involved with us. Continue the conversation online by going to our Facebook page. Sean Bowles is our Facebook public address. Also, you can visit us at www.bowlesministries.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure to subscribe to it. It's Exploring the Prophetic with Sean Bowles.